Hey everyone, my name is Rich and it's a real pleasure to be with you today. We're going to be exploring the whole theme of legacy, leaving a legacy with our lives. It's something that we're each called to think about, whatever our context, our responsibilities, our age or our stage of life. Now, just as we get rolling, I want to be really clear. There's a lot of talk about legacy in our culture, and I want to make sure that you don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we're each called to legacy defined as fame. Okay, this idea that each and every one of us is somehow destined to make such a mark on world affairs that our name will be up in lights and generations to come will read about us in their history books at school. I'm not saying that. I imagine that that's likely to be true for very few if indeed any of us at all. Sorry to burst your bubble. So it's not legacy as fame and it's not legacy as fortune. Uh, the word legacy is used, isn't it, by organisations or charities who want to encourage you to leave a large amount of money to them uh, after you die, where you're going to leave your legacy to the RSPCA or whatever it might be. And I'm not knocking that. Uh, in fact, uh, if you are looking for a good charitable cause, the Rich Pit Evening Snack fund is running a little low because of lockdown. So if you have millions of pounds to give, I will gladly receive your financial legacy. But I'm not talking about that this morning, okay? I'm talking about legacy as the ripple effect from your life into the lives of others. Whatever ripples into others through your life, your decisions, your actions, that is your legacy. And I want to think about this with you. To explore this, we're going to dive into an often overlooked section of a very famous ancient story. And we're going to see three women who left a staggering legacy. And we're going to learn from their example. They probably didn't even realise at the time that they were doing it. They were just living what was in front of them. And yet because of their courage, their ingenuity and their character, the ripples of their lives were that an entire nation was changed forever. The setting for this story is the dry, inescapable heat of Egypt, where God's people thousands of years ago, Israel, are enslaved under the cruel and vicious rule of a pretty deranged, pretty unhinged leader called Pharaoh. He is oppressive, he's paranoid, he's increasingly violent. And if you know the story, you'll know that a few decades from the bit we're going to look at, God would use a man called Moses, who you've probably heard of, to bring Israel out of their slavery, to secure for them liberation, to see the men, women and children who for generation after generation, 400 years have been brutally oppressed by this empire, step out into their liberation. But did you know that that famous liberation story very nearly didn't happen? Because there was very nearly no Moses at all. Enter these three women. Misha's going to read the story for us. And just to uh, tip you off, the first verse that she's going to read is probably the least baby thanksgiving -y verse there is in the entire Bible. Just to flag up that I'm aware of that. But stick with it. There's gold there for us to mine, to think about what it is to leave a legacy as we learn from these three pretty impressive women. Exodus chapter 1 verse 22 to Exodus chapter 2 verse 10. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. 
she saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the river bank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the pr baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Here's a question. Who would you say in the story that we've just heard has the power to leave a legacy? Who has all the power to impact the future generations in this story? It seems like it's the deranged lunatic world leader, Pharaoh, doesn't it? He seems to have all the power. But actually it isn't. Rather it is a mother, a princess and a sister. Three women who combine to alter the course of an entire nation's history. Let's learn from each of them for a few moments. Firstly, let's look at Moses's mum. Can you imagine what it would be like to be a mum in this situation? Not only have you got the nappies and the, the mum guilt and the lack of sleep, you've also got to deal with the reality that the soldiers of the empire are on the hunt for your boy. And you know that if they find him or hear of him or hear him, that they will take him away and that will be the end of the story. What would you do in that situation? Some have painted what Moses's mum does in this story as a bad example. Some have said that it's negligent and I have some sympathy with that. You know, she does put her three-month-old child into a basket in a river and, and leave him there. So I'm not saying that's a top tip in everyone's story. Um, but think about it. What would you have done if you were her? See, to do nothing for Moses's mum is to guarantee that her boy will be found by Pharaoh's lackeys and taken away. Actually, after months of hiding him and straining to do everything she could, her actions are deliberate and brave and courageous and intended to one thing, to saving his life. I mean, note the diligence and care in verse three, as she applies the materials to ensure that it would be waterproof and to give her son Moses in the first ever Moses basket the best chance of surviving. Or look at the verb in verse four, where it, it doesn't say she chucked him there or she left him there, but she laid him there. This is a, a mum who is caring for her child. Now, she could easily have done the opposite. She could easily have clung to him, held on to him, put herself first and looked to her own interests. But instead, she loses something in this moment. She gives something. She pays a cost. She puts herself second to enable and secure 
the long-term flourishing of the person who she was called to care about. And that, my friends, is legacy right there. Legacy is built not on those who serve themselves and seek their own interests, but on those who, with great bravery, even if they're going to be misunderstood by those who hear their story, do the best thing for others around them. Legacy is built on those who look to the interests of others. Legacy asks, how can I prioritise with my life the flourishing of others even when it hurts? And Moses' mum is a great example of this and we're going to see two other brilliant examples of it as well. But before we move on, I do just want to speak specifically to the mums who are watching this message. Today is Mother's Day and it's a day to honour and celebrate the role of mums of many kinds in our lives and to be thankful for the women who have selflessly poured out into us in so many different ways. And yet I know that it's a challenging day for different ones of us for a whole range of reasons and because of lockdown it's a really sensitive strange day for almost all of us I'm sure. So I don't want to linger on this too long but I do want to highlight here that God in this story sees and notices and honours and works through the care and courage and self-sacrifice of a mum. It's not the only role that God works through. And women and men then and now are called by God and commended by God for using their gifts and their self-sacrifice in a whole range of contexts. But for those of you who are mums, I want you to take inspiration and encouragement from Moses' mum here and know that just as God sees and honours and works through her courage and care, so he works through yours. I hope that she is an inspiration to you today. But there's more to see. So we're on to our next woman in this story. We're on to Pharaoh's daughter. This princess is born and raised in the seat of power, in the privilege of the palace with all its uh, protections that that affords. And so she certainly had quite a lot of legacy in terms of fame and quite a lot of legacy in terms of fortune that we spoke about at the start. And I guess for that reason, she might be a slightly difficult person to empathise with. She's hardly like a woman of the people. Until you think about it for a moment and ask yourself, what would it be like to be her in this story? Yes, she's protected in so many ways, but as we've been seeing this week on our screens, simply being raised in the privilege of a palace doesn't protect you from the things that affect all of us, from relational breakdown, from challenges, from inner demons, from struggles. And so this woman is a human being, just like you and I, just like all those we've been seeing on our screens, and we would do well to remember that as we watch the news. And then think of who her dad is. She's been raised, hasn't she, under the, the loving care and tutelage of a genocidal dictator. That's who dad is for her. And so whatever privilege you see in her, there's also huge pain in her life as well. And yet, look, it's all the more remarkable to see how she acts in this story. She's down by the river and hears the cry of this destitute and vulnerable child left in this basket or laid in this basket in the reeds. And so her and her entourage go and they collect the baby. And verse six says, when the princess opened it, she saw the baby, the little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. 
This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. I think there's enough in these verses alone that suggests she is someone to emulate and to inspire us. She, first of all, is very switched on. She sees the baby and she knows instantly, oh, this must be one of the Hebrew children. She understands what's going on in the kingdom. She's not naive. She's aware. She's clued up. She knows what's going on. But more than that, she's compassionate. It's not just that she's got the right ideas, but it drops to her heart as well. She feels something about the injustice that she sees. But if that is where it had stopped, what would be this princess's legacy? Ultimately, she would be someone with privilege and power who understood that there was injustice and felt bad about injustice, but in the end did nothing about it. And yet because of the intervention of our third woman, who we're going to finish up with shortly, that wasn't the legacy of this princess because she didn't just have it in her head. She didn't just have it in her heart, but she let it flow through to her hands as she picks up this child and does something about the injustice. She becomes a mum of another kind for Moses, the first adoptive mum in the Bible, a role that so mirrors the heart of God that it is impossible to overstate how much God loves and honours that. And I love this because it means that the legacy that flows out of her, the ripples that come from her life are so different, are in fact the complete opposite of the legacy that she has inherited from her father. Some of us will discount ourselves from having a loving or faithful or good or merciful or truthful legacies in our lives because of the chaos that's gone on upstream. We feel we've inherited a way of doing things or that pain has so impacted us we could never replicate a positive ripple effect into someone else. But no one could say that more than Pharaoh's daughter. And yet she interrupts that negative narrative in her family. She is a pivot, a point where things change, a turning point. As a daughter of a murderer, she saves a life. As the daughter of a slave owner, she adopts and raises the future liberator of God's people. As someone surrounded by privilege and power, she lays that down to welcome in a helpless baby. And though the context of our lives is a little bit different, the call for us is exactly the same. That whatever has gone on before us, God can use us as a turning point. Whatever ripples have come into us, we can see through his transformation, ripples of goodness and justice and mercy and welcome go out into the world through us. Not fame not fortune, but compassion in action that ripples into others. Now you say that's all well and good for a princess who can adopt someone. That's not me, Rich. And that's where I want to look at our third and final woman in this story, the sister. She doesn't have the power in the story, does she? She doesn't have the title of mum. She doesn't have the title of princess. But whatever she doesn't have, she sure as anything has a legacy. Do you remember her role in the story? She's there watching it all unfold and at just the right moment pops up to speak directly to the princess and suggest a sort of fostering arrangement with Moses' birth mum until he's of age. So whatever it is that works for Moses and works for Moses' mum and works for Pharaoh's daughter. It's this genius idea that is so perfect for the moment, is so wise, is so creative, is so intelligent, is so brilliant. And though she doesn't have the title mum, and though she doesn't have the title princess, what does she have? She has presence, 
Firstly, she's there watching it all unfold. She turns up, she makes herself available. She doesn't discount herself. She believes that she might well have a role to play. What else does she have? She has courage. She approaches the princess, a Hebrew girl on the wrong side of town, speaking to the princess and all of her entourage, but she knew this is the time to speak. I have something to say to make a difference. And so she courageously speaks. What else does she have? She has intelligence and wisdom, her idea that so brilliantly fits the situation like a hand in a glove. And through her being there, through her being courageous and through her intelligence and her wisdom, a destitute child in a terrifying world is saved, welcomed, invested in, raised, cared for and ultimately nurtured until the day when he would save the whole nation. So there you have it, a mum, a princess and a sister who combine to upend the power of Pharaoh and instead leave a legacy of liberation. And the best thing is, I bet they had no idea they were even doing it. As I finish, those three women inspire me because they remind me of another baby who was protected and saved by the courage of another young mum under the watchful eye of another deranged world leader who was trying to kill all the infant males. That mum was called Mary, that leader was called Herod, and that baby was called Jesus. In his life, like Moses' mum, he put himself second in order to see those he loved and cared about flourish and be saved. Ultimately, it took him to the cross as he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven and know peace with God forever. Like Pharaoh's daughter, he didn't simply look upon the world with compassion and a tear in his eye and a Facebook status, but he came to do something about it. He died for our sins. He rose again. And just therefore, as the daughter of the king of Egypt adopted Moses and welcomed him into the royal home as her son, so God now says to us, I want to adopt you into my home and my royal family through what my son Jesus has done. And just like Moses' sister, Jesus is the God who showed up, who didn't stay far away, but who turned up and at just the right time through the genius idea of dying as the sacrifice for our sins, saves us as the answer to our peril, our destitution and our lostness. These three women embody not just the best of human kindness, but they're inspiring because they represent the best of divine kindness, the kindness of God expressed to us in Jesus of Nazareth. And we are each invited, whatever our past, to be recipients of his legacy, the ripple effect that flows from his life, of his death and his resurrection. And then to let that life flow through us and ripple out into the lives of those around us as our legacy too. Now, I understand your context is probably not quite the same. You're, instead of being in Egypt at the side of a river, you're in your house or your hall of residence or your workplace or your city. But with whoever God has called you to care for, whatever the title you do or don't have, there are ripples that God wants to bring from your life into the lives of others. And may the stories of these three courageous, brilliant women inspire us to live in our day as they did in theirs.